Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Jesus Christ, when he was here on earth, spent every single day in seek of service. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. We understand that Jesus is God. Amen? And if Jesus is God, that means that he is the creator of the universe. It means that he is almighty. It means that he is omniscient. It means that he is omnipresent and worthy of all service. He is worthy of our service. Every single day, every single moment, every single minute that we are alive, we owe to him. Life comes from him. Eternal life comes from him. He alone is worthy of our service. And yet when Jesus came to this earth, he did not come to be ministered unto even though he deserved to be. He deserved and and would have been totally well within his rights to come to earth with the sole purpose of receiving service from his creation. But the Bible says there, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister Isn't that interesting that Jesus, who is God, who is worthy of all service, came not with the intention of being served by us. He came in order to serve us and to give his life a ransom for many. If we are to be more like Christ, we have to grow in that same mentality, to think more like the Lord. One of the many pitfalls of uh, religion, church life, or even coming to a church like ours is that We can have all of the trappings of the exterior. We can come dressed up on a Sunday morning and sing the songs and carry our Bibles and and look great on the outside. But if we are really going to be more like Jesus Christ, we need to be more like Christ on the inside. We've got to have our heart to be changed. We must think more like Jesus. We can't just come and put on a show. We must be more like Jesus. And that starts from the inside and moves its way towards the outside and influences our actions. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here is Paul encouraging the church. Don't just look like Christ on the outside. Look like Christ on the inside. Think like Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, you see in verse number seven, says that Jesus took upon him the form of a servant. This is this description of when he was born in the form of a man, in, in the form of a human being, just like you and me. And it says that when he took upon him the form of man, he took upon him the form of a servant. See, every single one of us is a servant. The question is whether we will think like a servant and whether we will act like a servant. Jesus, when he was in our form, he uh, recognized that he was in the form of a servant. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So this morning, I want to take a look at the service of Jesus Christ. 
and how we can be more like Jesus Christ, and really to see why service is important. Because service is important, amen? amen. It's important that we serve God. It's important that we serve one another. And I believe that this chapter gives us several re uh, reasons why serving God and serving one another is so important. First of all, we see that service is important because Jesus esteemed service. He esteemed service. He thought that service was important. I want you to take a look at the first couple verses of the chapter there, John chapter number 13. In it, we see the situation in which we find Jesus Christ as he is about to head into this very important demonstration of service. And we see this condition, the situation in which he is in, in that moment. We see the imminence of his departure, verse number one. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of the world unto the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. See, verse number one makes it clear that Jesus knew that the end was coming. He knew the end was coming. He knew that he was going to be betrayed. He knew that he was going to be arrested. He knew that he was going to stand trial before the priests, the Pharisees, and others. He would go to Pilate and Herod. He knew that he would be tried. He knew that he would be beaten. He knew that he would be crucified and that he would soon hang on a cross to give his life a ransom for many. The end is near. I mean, when you take a look at his life here on earth, there are only weeks away before he would ascend back into heaven. And soon, after this chapter, he would be hanging on a cross to pay for our sins. The end is near. And when we think about the end, the end of anything, we think about what are the most important things that we've got to do, right? When you have the end approaching, you think about, well, there's all these things I wanted to do, these are all the things that I maybe had on my list of things that I would like to accomplish, but I won't be able to do all of them. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kick off the less important things, right? You know what I'm saying? You go on vacation. When I go on vacation, I try to plan out a number of things, and I have an idea of these things that I want to do. I want to go here. I want to go here. I want to see these things. And somehow you never get to see all of the things that you planned on going and seeing, right? So inevitably something gets kicked off of your list of, you know what, maybe we can skip this one because this is probably the least important to me. And that's what we do. When we, when we get to the end of something, we kick off the less important things that are in our life, the things that we deem less important. As Jesus comes to the end, Jesus doesn't kick off service. He puts service at the very front. That's the very first thing that he did. Knowing that the end was near, he said, what are the important things that I must do before I am crucified? Number one was service. He decided to serve the disciples. We also see the intentions of the devil in verse number two. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. The supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. Jesus knew that he was going to be betrayed, not just betrayed, but betrayed by one of his 12 disciples, those that were very close to him. He knew that something was coming his way. Whenever we know something's coming our way, what do we do? We brace for it, right? You see an athlete, they're out there on the field, they're about to get tackled, what do they do? Oftentimes they brace for the impact. 
Jesus here knows that impact is coming. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be beaten and crucified. And instead of bracing for the impact, what he does is he opens himself up to service for the disciples. Verse number three continues that we see the inside of deity. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he was come from God and went to God. Jesus here is described as knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. The Father had said, all right, it's in your court now. All right, it's in your hands. And Jesus could have decided any number of things to do in between there and the cross. What he decided to do was he decided to serve the disciples. That's how we know that service is so important when you see what Jesus did when he did it. He didn't choose this free time. Well, I got nothing else to do. Well, I guess maybe I'll just serve these disciples. I, that's one of the things I'd wanted to do eventually. Maybe I'll do it now. He did not choose that moment in order to serve the disciples. The end was coming near. The devil had put into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus Christ. He was going to be soon arrested. And he knew that the Father had put all things into his hands. In this very situation... He decided, you know, what's the first thing that I need to do? I need to serve the disciples. That's how we know that service is important. It's important for us to consider if Jesus in this very moment with so much going on, knowing what was about to come, decided that it was still important for him to serve the disciples, then we also ought to consider how important service is in our own lives. Because there's no end of things that we can see on our horizon. Oh, I got something really important coming up. I got a big project at work. Maybe you're in school. I got a big deadline coming here. And I got these big exams. And I got all of these things that I'm preparing for. And you got your own personal life, the things that you want to do with your friends and family and relatives. You know, this summer, I can see it. There's a big boom in vacations coming. Everybody's going to fly out and go visit all the places that they couldn't go see in the last couple of years. I mean, there's always, there's never an end of something that is going on that always feels so urgent that, you know what, maybe this service thing I can put off for just a little bit longer, but Jesus put it at the very front. That's how we know that service is important. We also see that Jesus, he exampled service. He exampled service. We'll get into exactly what he did in just a few moments, but jump down to verse number 12. After he has served all of the disciples, in verse number 12 it says, so after he had washed their feet and had in their garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? After you have served all the disciples, he said, Do you know what I just did for you? Verse 13, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Jesus, after having served the disciples, said, do you know what I just did? Do you know what I was doing, why I did it? I did it as an example for you that you would serve one another. And Jesus makes sure to mention as I have done to you. So the way that we ought to serve one another is the way that Jesus served the disciples. There's an example that is laid for us, an example of, oh, okay, this is what Jesus did. This is how Jesus did it. This ought to be the way that you and I do it as well. So if you go back up towards verse number two, we see this actual example of service 
of Jesus. In verse number two, and supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him. So supper is now over, verse number four, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garment. So washing the feet was usually done as soon as you entered into the to the home, of course, you know, the, the dirts were not well paved and people didn't wear Nike sneakers when they walked around. Jesus, of course, walked on dirt roads with sandals. And so when you walked into somebody's house, your feet were dirty. And so typically, as would be the custom, you would walk into somebody's house and they would have a servant ready to wash the feet of those that would walk into the house. That would be obvious to us, right? So you would want to have clean feet before you mess up all of the floors. And so that would be very customary, but it's pretty clear that there was nobody that was washing the feet here. They walked in and nobody was there washing the feet. After they had sat down, I mean, they probably actually laid down when they were at the table. Nobody was there washing the feet. They had finished supper and still nobody was there washing the feet. It was at this time that Jesus got up in order to wash their feet. This would not have been the most customary time, nor would it have been the most convenient time, but that's also the thing about it. Service, if it were always convenient, would be easy, right? If it were convenient for us, nobody would have to tell us to do it. Oh, it's convenient. It's easy. It's right here. Oh, it's not too bad. We could do it. It is in the inconvenient times that we learn whether we really have a service mentality or not. Whether or not we really think like the Lord and Jesus, having gone into the home, having sat down at the table, having finished supper, and seeing all of his disciples, who are, of course, his disciples, he was the master, they should have been the servants, they should have been the one to offer to him, but they did not. And so he gets up at an inconvenient time. I notice that for those that are faithful to the Lord, they often understand that things can be inconvenient. And that sometimes you will have to make a choice whether I will serve God or whether I will serve myself. Whether I will serve God or whether I will serve my career. Whether I will serve one another as God commanded me or whether I will serve this, this other thing that I've gotten in my life. And there's often a battle between those two. And it would be nice if everything just fell into line of everything would come at its own time and its own place. But often there's a conflict. And it is in those inconvenient times that we learn whether or not we have that same mentality as Jesus. Jesus, at this inconvenient time, decided to serve the disciples. We also see that there was an imbalanced asymmetry in verse number four. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. So there's 13 individuals in this room, Jesus and his 12 disciples. They're sitting around this table. They're eating supper. They're having a meal together. Jesus gets up. He takes off his garments. He girds himself with a towel. He pours some water into a basin. And he goes from disciple to disciple around the table, washing their feet. And he gets all the way around and gets back. And as we saw earlier, he says, all right, do you know what I just did for you? And he explains what he did, giving the example for them. One of the things that you will notice that is absent from this account is that when Jesus offered to wash their feet, you'll notice that none of the disciples said, Oh, Jesus, you're going to wash my feet? Let me wash your feet. Did you notice that's missing? 
Do you notice that reciprocation is missing? Usually when somebody does something for you, what do you usually do? You do something back for them, right? Somebody does something nice for you, you do something nice for them. They get you a birthday gift, you get them a birthday gift. You, you know, they do something nice for you, they do you a favor, you try to do them a favor. Here Jesus is going around and serving all of the disciples, not a single one of the twelve offered to wash the feet of Jesus Christ. Not a single one of them thought, you know what, if Jesus does this for me, I should do this for him. I should do this in return. Not a single one of the disciples offered to do this in return. And that's another aspect of service. Service is often not reciprocated. All right? Business transactions is something that we're used to. I do something for you and you do something for me. That's the way businesses are, right? I will provide this item, this you know, this food or this thing that you're going to buy, if you will give me money, right? You give me money and I will do this, right? It's a you give and get, right? Going back and forth. That's a typical business kind of transaction. You go to a restaurant and you say, all right, I'll pay you money if you bring out food, right? You go into a store, I give you money, you give me these clothes or whatever. You know, that's a normal kind of transaction. Service, though, is not that kind of business transaction. Service is, I do something for you even if you never do anything for me in return. That's what service is. That's the way that Jesus served. You have to remember that Jesus was willing to serve, to die on the cross for every single individual in the world. Every single person who has ever lived, Jesus died for that individual, even if they rejected him, even if they cursed him, even if they blasphemed him. It didn't matter. Jesus served every single one. And Jesus, here in this moment, decided to serve the disciples. Not a single one of them offered to serve back in return, but that's an aspect of service. Service is not, well, I did this for you. When are you going to do something back for me? Service is, you know what? God served me without reason any expectation in return, all right, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve somebody else. There's also an indispensable attitude in service. In verse number four, you see this humility in service. He rises, rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe the towel wherewith he was girded. This was a humble service. There's a number of services that are, we might call them noble services, right? You consider public service here in America. You, you hear about somebody who's in public service and they're offering up their time. You think, oh, that's, that's really nice. That's really wonderful. There's all sorts of different kinds of noble services, things that we would respect, things that we look and say, wow, that's really nice. That's really wonderful. Washing somebody's feet is not one of those noble services, especially in that time. It was a despised service. You know why none of the disciples offered to wash the feet of, uh, of Jesus? Because nobody wanted to wash anybody else's feet, all right? Even today, nobody want to, wants to wash anybody else's feet, all right? Anybody here today after the service going to offer to wash anybody else's feet? I don't think so, <laughs> right? You're not going to see anybody get, pulling out some, you know, basins and pouring water in. Here, take off your dress shoes, take off your socks, let me wash your feet. I don't think we'll see that today. Right? We're not going to see that. It's a despised service. It's kind of like, oh, I don't want to get down there and wash that person's feet. You know, that's what the disciples thought as well. 
So you see in Jesus, this humility, Jesus being God, Jesus being the creator of all that is in existence, he was the one to wash the feet of the disciples. Do you see the depth to which Jesus had to humble himself in order to perform this service? Something that regular human beings like you and me would not have stooped to. Jesus, being higher than the highest, humbled himself all the way down in order to serve the disciples. Because service, as we can see, is for humble people. Matthew chapter 23, verse number 11 says, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Uh, whosoever, shall be exalt, or whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that, humbleth, or he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Jesus tells us in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You know what's so wrong with so many of the relationships and, and conflicts that we have is that we think that we're better than the other person, that our idea is better than the other person's idea. But Jesus said in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but also on the things of others. That's how we know whether we are entering into humility when we think also on the things of others. It's natural for us to think about our own concerns, right? You have financial concerns, you might have family concerns, you have some you know, job and career concerns, you have some, all, all sorts of different concerns that you have in your life, health concerns, you have all sorts of these different things. The attitude of a servant is not that they disregard those because you can't escape those, right? You always see the numbers. You always see your health. You, you, you feel those pains. You have those things that are always at the forefront of your mind. The attitude of a service, though, is I'm going to look also on the things of others. I'm going to think about the financial pains of somebody else, the health pains of somebody else, the relationship issues of somebody else. That's the way that a humble servant would think. We also see the insistent abiding in service. In verse number five, after that, he poureth water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. You see that he goes all the way around the table. He starts at one end and he goes all the way through all of the 12 disciples. And one thing that you'll notice about servants is that servants do not get to decide when to stop. They stop when the job is finished. You will get weary in service, but servants need to continue and to persist. Of course, we recognize that we need God's strength to finish our course. Second Corinthians chapter six says, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience. We need to have endurance because there are going to be times when you want to quit. Amen. Amen. It's okay for us to admit that that we've had thoughts in our minds, you know what, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't know if I want to wake up this early again and, and get up early and get to church and do this. I, I don't know if I want to keep giving this amount of money. I don't know if I want to have to go through and help this individual again. There's going to be times when you want to quit. There are going to be times when you want to give up. There are going to be times when you say, I've done my job. It's somebody else to take over. All right, I did my part. When is somebody else going to step up and fill in the gap? There's going to be times when we might feel that way, that we might think that way, but Jesus didn't stop part way. He finished the job. 
We know that Jesus finished the job because he went to the cross and he finished the job on the cross. He said, it is finished. Aren't you glad that Jesus could say, it is finished? Aren't you glad that Jesus could say, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm done with this. I don't deserve this. I'm out of here. Aren't you glad that he finished the job? He stayed on the cross. He died. He buried. Three days later, he did rise again so that you and I could be saved. Jesus also here in this example, he finished the job. You'll notice that Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He said, I, I did my job. I finished my course. I, I, I finished the part of service that was given to me. Acts chapter 20, verse number 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I received of the Lord to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He said, none of these things move me. I don't even care what happens to my life because I want to finish my course with joy. And I want to finish the ministry that was given to me. That was the attitude of Paul. That was the attitude of Jesus. Lastly, we also see the inclusion of all in service. Verse number 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them... Know ye what I have done to you? So we have to think about who was there in that room. Of course, we know it's the 12 disciples. We know about Peter was there, James was there, John was there, Thomas was there. And of course, most notably, Judas was there. Judas was there in the room. Ju Judas, the one who was going to betray him. Judas, the one who was tricking everybody else, thinking that he was alongside of the other disciples, but really he was in it for himself. This Judas was there at the table, and Jesus offered to serve this individual. One of the things that you'll learn about service from the Lord Jesus Christ is that Jesus didn't pick and choose whom he would serve. He served everybody. You know, it's easy for us as Christians to pick and choose who we're going to serve. Oh, I like this person. Oh, this is a close friend of mine. Oh, I really enjoy this person. And I'm going to serve these people. And this is going to be my crew. This is going to be my group. This is going to be the, the people that I serve. But Jesus served everybody. Amen? Amen? Aren't you glad that Jesus died for everyone? Amen. Aren't you glad that Jesus gave his word for all of us? Aren't you glad that Jesus gave his Holy Spirit to everyone who puts his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus offered to serve everybody. Jesus offered to serve everybody. That was the example that he gave. And if we're going to enter into this real attitude and example of service of Jesus Christ, we can't be picky. We can't pick and choose. We've got to be willing, not that there will always be opportunities, but we ought to be willing at least to serve whoever it is that is in need of service. Thirdly, what we see, why we know that service is important from what Jesus did here in John 13 is that Jesus explained service. So we know that Jesus prioritized service and he esteemed it and estimated it to be valuable. We know Jesus demonstrated what service likes and how to do it. But then the question is, why? Why should I serve others? I know Jesus did it. I know Jesus thought it's important. But why should I do it? Why should I humble myself in service? Why should I follow the example of Jesus Christ? Why should I do the things that God has commanded for me to do in serving one another, for me as a Christian to serve other Christians. Why? John chapter 13, verse number 17. If ye know these things, what's the next word? If ye know these things, 
happy are ye if you do them. See, I think a lot of people think that God gives commands so that we can make him happy. Right? That's why we often tell people what to do, right? We tell somebody else to mow the lawn because it would make me really happy if I didn't have to mow the lawn. Right? That's why I'm telling you, you mow the lawn because I don't want to do it. It would make me unhappy if I had to do it, so you do it so I could be happy. Right? Be quiet. Alright? You guys need to stop making a commotion because that's making me unhappy. That's making me grumpy. So you need to stop doing that so that I can be happy, right? We, we, we naturally think that way as human beings. You bring that to me because I don't want to bring that to me, right? I don't want to have to go do that. I would like it if you would do all these things. That's natural for us. And many assume that God thinks that way, that God gives people commands so that we could make him happy, right? Give money. Why should we give money? Oh, because that would make God happy, right? That's why I should give my tithes, because that makes God happy. Why should I come? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Why should I come to church? Oh, because that would make God happy. It may not make me happy if I gave my money. It may not make me happy if I came to church. It may not make me happy if I do the things that the Bible says. If I have to say, you know what? It's good for me to abstain from fornication. It's good for me to abstain from these sins, to not participate in the world and not to go after the things of the world and to serve my flesh. God tells me not to do any of those things and I have to do those things because that would make God happy. That's the way that many people think. But what you'll notice here in this command is that, first of all, God's thoughts are not our thoughts, nor his ways our ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, God did not give this command for us to serve one another so that he would be happy. He gave the command to us to serve one another so that we could be happy. Do you get that? Do you understand that Jesus is giving this command and he says, I want you to be happy. God is a God who wants you to be happy. He doesn't want you to be miserable. He doesn't want you to be upset. He doesn't want you to have all this. He wants you to be happy. God, knowing how you could be happy, said, here's how you get happy. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do that, Luke chapter 11, verse number 28 says, but he said, yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. That word for blessed, there is the same word for happy that we saw in John chapter number 13. James chapter 1, verse number 25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continuing therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. See, God tells us to serve one another because he wants us to be happy and blessed. Serving the way that Jesus served makes us happy. It's important that we understand also that serving as Jesus served makes us happy. Because there's nothing that's going to quell your happiness quicker than if you serve one another with the expectation that they do something in return and they don't give you anything in return, right? If you expect them to give you something back and they don't, guess what? That's going to make you unhappy. You know why? Because you're expecting something and you're saying, they're not doing this. All right, I'm not going to serve you again because you didn't give me something back. Jesus, though, didn't expect that in return. You know, we would be a lot happier in life if we didn't expect people to do those things in return. 
Now, that sounds blasphemous, right? Oh, I can't, I can't live my life that way. Now, there are relationships that you have in your life, family relationships where there are expectations, where God has made it very clear, you ought to do this. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Fathers, raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Provoke not your children to wrath. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. There are these commands and expectations. We understand all of these things as believers even. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is but exhorting one another, okay? We have all of these commands. But the attitude of service, if we're going to reap the full benefits, cannot come with the expectation of, well, I'll do this for you if you do something for me in return. That's going to kill your happiness. So don't serve that way. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, let's not do it that way. Jesus is saying, even if you do it and it seems like an inconvenient time, Jesus is saying, all of these things have I done so that you would learn, this is how happiness comes. We think that happiness comes when other people do things for us, and yet Jesus, knowing all things, said, no, 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 it's the opposite way around. Happiness comes when we serve one another. This word for happiness is the same word in Romans chapter 4, verse number 7, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. The word there for blessed in those two verses is the same word for happy that he uses in John 13, verse number 17. Happy and blessed. Are you saved today? Are you saved? Are you happy that you're saved? Have you thought about that? Wow, my sins are forgiven. All of them. They're all forgiven. I don't ever have to worry about going to hell. Ever. Doesn't that make you happy? Aren't you a little bit happier now when you think about that? Aren't you a little bit happier? Wow, I don't ever have to go to hell? Wow, incredible. God, you're so wonderful. Doesn't that make you a little bit happier? Then think about the other side of that. Not only do you not go to hell, you get to go to heaven. Heaven's way better than this place. Right? You think about these huge mansions, you know, there's that mansion built like what in Beverly Hills, it costs like $500 million, the one, you know, this huge mega mansion that's still trying to figure out, you know, trying to pay for all of this stuff. Wow, wouldn't it be great to live in a house like that? Oh, this is, when you get to heaven, the house is going to be like, oh, you live in that little, oh, what, yeah. I'm really sorry, man. Right? That, when you really think about the streets are paved with gold, the gates are pearl. The walls are filled with gems. I mean, that's the place that we're going to. A place with no pain, no darkness, no sin, no sorrow, no tears. That's the place you're going to if you trust in Christ as your Savior. Isn't that a wonderful place? Aren't you a little bit happier today? Wouldn't you like a little bit more of that happiness in your life? I would. Just to think about that is enough, but God says, you know what? will also make you happy what will add to that happiness even as you think about it we don't even understand the half of what god has prepared for us if we would just enter into this service john chapter 13 verse number six then cometh he to simon peter this is during the act of service peter saith unto him lord dost thou wash my feet jesus answered and said unto him what i do thou knowest not but thou shalt know hereafter peter saith unto him never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, he that is washed needeth not to save wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. 
but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So this is a picture of salvation. When Jesus saves you, you are cleansed from head to toe. 100% of your sins, cleansed, forgiven for all of eternity. But on a daily basis, you need to have that relationship restored, right? Whenever you have an evil thought, whenever you say an unkind word, whenever you disobey the word of God, you have sin that has entered into your life. You never have to pay for this penalty of sin in going to hell, but you need to have that relationship to be restored. You need to be cleansed. That's why you need to go to God in repentance and forgiveness. God, I know that you saved me. I'm not getting saved again, but I know that I've committed sin. I want to be restored in this relationship with you. But why does service make us happy? Because it seems counterintuitive, right? It seems counterintuitive that if I do something for somebody else and they don't do something for me in return, that should make me unhappy, right? If I serve God the way that he tells me to and I serve other believers as he has commanded and demonstrated, it seems like that should rob me of my happiness and give the happiness to somebody else, right? That seems natural. Right? If I'm giving away, then what, what about me? Right. Luke chapter 12 gives us a fairly lengthy passage, and we're not going to read all of the verses, but you could turn to Luke chapter number 12. And I believe that there are three reasons why service makes believers happy. When they serve as Jesus served, when they serve the people that Jesus served, how does service make us happy? Luke chapter number 12. We are blessed in service. We are happy in service because God provides for us. Towards the end of the chapter or later on in the chapter, we'll get to the service part. But before we get there, verse number 22 says, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life. What shall ye eat? Neither for the body. What ye shall put on. So he says, You don't have to worry or fret about your financial situation. That's what he says there. I know a lot of people will say, easy for you to say, but what about me? Jesus says, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. Verse number 29, and seek not, and seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. One of the reasons why service makes believers happy is because when we serve God, God provides for us. When we serve God, God says, oh, here's one of my children that's doing what I asked for them to do in order to serve me and to serve one another's. I want to provide for this person so that they can continue to serve. Amen? Doesn't that make sense? We understand that. That makes sense. That's what God would uh, desire to do. And here is God taking a look at two different individuals. One who says, God, I want to do exactly what you're saying. I want to obey you. I want to serve you. And therefore, I want to serve others. Here's another one of his children, a, a, a believer, somebody who's saved. But they don't want to serve God. They just want to serve themselves. They want to get rich. They want to get famous. They want to be popular. They want to have their own life. They want to do their own thing. They want to call the shots. And here is God looking at these two different uh, uh, believers, both of them his children. Which one do you think he would want to provide for? You think he would want to continue to provide for the child who would say, God, I don't really care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. 
God, I don't want to follow you. I want to follow myself. I want to do what I want to do. I want to live my own life. I want to lay up for myself treasures on earth rather than in heaven. And God is here is looking at, do I want to encourage this kind of lifestyle or do I want to encourage this believer over here? Hey, when we follow God and we serve God, we can know that God will provide for us. God will provide for you. That's a big part of where faith comes in. Faith comes in and says, God, I'm serving you with all of my heart. I love you, and I'm trying to serve other believers, and I'm trying to do my best in order to help these other believers that are in need. And, and God, you know how much money I have in the bank. God, you know my financial situation. God, you know all of the things that are on my plate. I don't know how all of these things are going to get done. And God says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. You just do what I say. And we can be happy in that knowing, God, I don't know how you're going to take care of it, but that's your problem. You told me to do this. All right? I don't have to worry about it. That's not my worry. That's your worry. You take care of it. And that will take a big load off of your shoulders when you don't have to think about it and you know it's not my responsibility. That's God's responsibility. All right? I just have to do what he says and he'll take care of me. That will make you a little bit happier when you don't have to worry about, oh, inflation is going to hit double digits this year, right? That's the whole word, right? Inflation is going to hit double digits this year. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? I don't know. But one thing I do know is that God is not conditional upon inflation staying at 2%, right? He's not, oh, no, it's up at 9%. It's 8%. It's at 10%. What am I going to do for my people? God says, oh, wait, I forgot. I own everything. I, I, I can just take whatever I want and give it to my, my, my people whenever they need it. But we've got to do our part, and we've got to serve one another as Jesus served the disciples. We are happy in service because God provides for us. We are happy or blessed in service because God rewards us. Going further on in Luke chapter number 12, verse number 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth nor moth corrupteth. In verse number 42, if you jump down. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise servant whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of the truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. We can be happy in service knowing God rewards those that serve him. We can be happy in service knowing that God will compensate you well for your service in the ministry. God makes it very clear, even a cup of cold water given in the name of the disciple in order to help just a little child. It will not be Passover. It's accounted for and will be appropriately compensated when you get to heaven. We are blessed in service because God rewards us. But lastly, we are blessed in service because God serves us when we serve him. See, the thing about it is when we serve other people, we expect them to serve us in return. But really the relationship is when I serve others, God serves me. When we serve others, God serves me. See, in verse number 37, Luke chapter 12, verse number 37, it says, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. And notice what he says, Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself 
and make them to sit down at meat, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them, so blessed are those servants. Did you read this? In verse number 37, it says, when the servants, they come in, the Lord will gird himself and will serve the servants. Isn't that incredible? We are blessed when we serve God because God will serve us. Isn't that amazing? That God, the creator of the universe, would serve you, would want to serve you? Not only that, he's told you how you can have the Lord to serve you. If you will serve others, God will serve you. Aren't you a little bit happier today knowing that? When you serve somebody else and you think, ah, that guy didn't even appreciate what I did for him. Won't it make you a little bit happier to know, you know what, I, I serve them, they may never serve me back, but I know God will serve me. And God will provide for me. And God will reward me. Happy are the servants who serve the way that God has commanded them to serve him. If we will be more like Jesus, let us be more like Jesus in service.